0: Good afternoon, at Rob Port here on 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. We are uh, closing it. It's the Teal's last days on the show at WDY. She's moving to one of the lesser states in our union.
1: Oh, 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 oh. I don't know that I'd agree with that. Mostly because what? New York contains Broadway.
0: New York does contain also the greatest baseball team ever. In the history of the world,
1: I don't really care about baseball. I'm not going to go see any baseball games, but yeah, I'm going to see I, so I, many I, Broadway shows. I, okay. I understand.
0: I understand that you're a communist and you have you hate our national. Excuse pastime, excuse
1: but. me, I'm a socialist. <laughs> are I'll you really? have you know. No, are you really? It, no, no,
0: not really. Okay,
1: but if I, you're gonna I, if I you're gonna call me a, a communist or a socialist, socialist I, is more accurate. I don't
0: I don't know that I see a lot of difference between the two, honestly. As a as a practical matter, meh. I think one. I think one begets the other. Um, but we don't need to go down that uh, <laughs> road right now. Eric's going to be uh, well the the interim Natil. A new then, uh, And then we'll find a new Natil. who we're just going to keep calling Natil. Because I, that's.
1: I don't. I don't know that I approve of that. I kind of like. <laughs> I kind of like my name. There are not very many Nateels well, out
0: there. One thing we've got to do before you go is get the music situation straightened out. I'm because... working on it because if eric comes back in and it's a bunch of depeche mode or whatever the hell he was playing when he was sitting in before i don't know what that was
1: i'm getting it into the into the wide orbit system because i i go. tend to play everything off google play music which is super easy and convenient for me <laughs> not so well, much
0: for anybody else
1: well no because once i'm gone my account will come with me this is oh, this yeah, is my personal account <laughs> oh
0: yeah you're gonna keep all the playlists from the show a little remembrance. There's only one and I'm probably going to delete it as soon as I'm out. Oh, come on. There's some <laughs> good music on there.
1: I did add um, the a couple of the covers that you've introduced me to to the playlist that I'm using to I drive like covers. out to New York with.
0: I like I like covers. I like when I like a song, I think it's fun to have like a different take on that song and it becomes something completely new. I like I like song covers. I enjoy
1: I the fun. Vandals cover of Don't Stop Me Now. It's very good. Is it that good?
0: Yeah. Oh, that is so good. Um all right. So, well, we better get serious here. We got a radio show to broadcast. Tax commissioner Ryan Rauschenberger is going to be joining me coming up here at one o'clock. Uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a, well, a thing between him and his Democratic challenger, Kylie Overson, who I've also invited on this show. She hasn't responded. Um, she put out a press release yesterday. And in her press release, she's talking about the, uh, South Dakota versus Wayfair case which is going before the United, S- United States Supreme Court. Um, it's, it's essentially the case is a challenge to what's called the Quill precedent. Um, there, there's a case going back to 1992, um, which was actually at, at the time Heidi Heitkamp was our tax commissioner. So I think, I think the full title of the case actually names Heidi Heitkamp. Uh, in it uh, now, obviously, our U.S. senator. Anyway, it's, it's Quill versus North Dakota. What what Quill was, they were a a company, uh, basically a mail order company, and the state of North Dakota, through tax commissioner Heidi Heitkamp, was was attempting to apply sales taxes to. Sales that Quill made inside the state of North Dakota. Quill argued, we don't have we don't have a physical presence at all in North Dakota, therefore we shouldn't have to remit sales taxes to North Dakota. United States Supreme Court agreed. Flash forward to the online commerce era, uh, where people uh, you know mail order was one thing, but people are doing a lot of shopping on the internet these days. The same precedent applies. Essentially, uh, states have no power to enforce their sales tax laws on online retailers that do not have a physical presence in their state. Now, for a long time, North Dakotans may have noticed Amazon collects the sales tax in North Dakota. That's because Amazon has actually had a physical presence in North Dakota or, or for, for some time, and they had a, a call center in Grand Forks. Uh, so Amazon actually had a physical presence in North Dakota, so they collected. Other online retailers, you may have noticed, did not collect the North Dakota sales tax. Um, anyway, tax commissioner, and I, I have opinions about how This should play out, and we can talk about those in a minute. But uh, Democratic Tax Commission candidate Kylie Overson issued a press release yesterday uh, which accused incumbent Tax Commissioner Ryan Rauschenberger of being on the side of big out-of-state corporations. This is what she wrote. Uh, in her uh, press release, you can read the whole thing at sayanythingblog.com. She wrote, North Dakotans deserve a tax commissioner who is looking out for small businesses and entrepreneurs in the state. The mom-and-pop shops have long been the backbones of our communities. Our current tax commissioner should be looking out for these small businesses, but instead falls on the side of major out-of-state corporations. I am grateful for Senator Heitkamp's leadership in pushing the court to revisit the issue and look forward to a positive ruling that will help level the playing field for all. Now, the truth is, and I I actually think both Overson and Rauschenberger are wrong, but the truth is Rauschenberger supports overturning Quill. He has for some time, Rauschenberger for some time has supported North Dakota being able to apply its sales tax and force its sales tax on online sales. So Overson's just flat out wrong. Now, I I noticed just now actually – in the comments, because I, I embedded her, uh, her press release at sailingblog.com. It looks like one of my readers came over, uh, asked, says uh, she uh, asked, doesn't the current tax commissioner also support the overturn of Quill? Uh, Kylie responds, Hi, Justin. I've been alerted to his statement supporting the overturn as well. That's great news. The comment about his support of major corporations versus small business, businesses isn't only in relation to Quill, though, but I'm glad he and I agree on this issue. I could make, it could make a difference for many businesses in North Dakota. Well, for crying out loud. You know, she got it wrong. She just can't admit that she got it wrong. Anyway, Tax Commissioner Ryan Rauschenberger is going to be on at 1 o'clock. We'll talk about this. But for right now, I mean, let's ask the audience. How do you feel about the state of North Dakota and, and collecting sales taxes on online sales? Should we be able to do it? Should we not be able to do it? This has been something that's it has been simmering for a while, but the, the obstacle in the way is Quill v. North Dakota, that precedent set by the Supreme Court back in the early 1990s. Should it be overturned? What do you think? 701 293 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Now, Tax Commissioner Ryan Rauschenberger, in his own statement, he said, he's calculating, um, he says, we estimate that North Dakota is missing out on up to $50 million in revenue each year. So about $100 million a biennium that he feels uh, could be levied, you know, could be collected, by online retailers. Now, remember, some online retailers, you know, notably Amazon, do collect the North Dakota sales tax. Some of them voluntarily. Some of them because they do have a physical presence in North Dakota, in our state, so they do already collect it. Um, others do not. So, what do you think? I mean, is this something that should be done? And and I could tell you, I, I'm not so sure. I, I I worry that overturning Quill would be a weakening. Of, of the Commerce Clause, right? Because that, that's essentially what the, what the U.S. Supreme Court said in Quill is that the Commerce Clause in Article One of the U.S. Constitution states that the federal government, not states, regulate interstate commerce. So if we're talking about interstate commerce, that's I mean, unless you're buying, buying from an online retailer that's already in North Dakota, in which case they're already having to pay the sales tax under the Quill precedent, you're dealing with interstate commerce. Do states have the right to regulate interstate commerce, in this instance, tax those sales. I'm not so sure that they do, and I'm not so sure that we should want the Commerce Clause to be weakened by the Supreme Court in that regard. Now, the, the Commerce Clause gets abused for all sorts of things, Natiel, I mean, we uh, I, I think most federal drug policy is based on a strained interpretation of the Commerce Clause, the federal government essentially giving themselves uh, the right to regulate drugs, um, and this, it's, it's prohibiting drugs like marijuana, etc., cetera, through the Interstate Commerce Clause. So it gets abused in a lot of ways. But I, I think it's important in particular because North Dakota won a court battle with Minnesota. Remember this? Minnesota wanted to restrict imports into their state of coal-fired electricity, right? North Dakota went to court with them, fought years, a years-long legal battle against the state of Minnesota, and ultimately won on the interstate commerce clause and the idea that minnesota cannot project its environmental regulations to commerce happening in other states in essence minnesota can't try to push its environmental regulations into north dakota so my question for you is if 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 we want to stand up for the interstate commerce clause in that instance how can we stand up for the interstate commerce clause in another instance and allow other states to push their sales taxes across the border or even North Dakota to push our sales tax across the border. That's the thing I don't understand. Now, I, I generally like the sales tax. I generally like the consumption tax. I generally think that it's a good way to raise revenue. I like the idea of taxing consumption as opposed to, you know, taxing property or taxing uh, production, which, which is what essentially what an income tax is. And I understand the argument that a lot of people make, which is that not taxing online sales is, are essentially a um, well they're an unfair advantage to brick- and-mortar stores that are here and I don't I don't necessarily think that that's true because brick- and-mortar stores don't have to ship right there's that additional shipping cost I, I don't know that that's true but what do you think 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. caller Matt you're on what's up uh,
2: setting aside whether or not the, the should or ought question in this, I say I hate the entire concept of appealing to a, a Supreme Court to do what is essentially a legislative function. I, I, I despise the entire thing. So I say no. I, I don't. I don't want to appeal to the Supreme Court to overturn anything. So that's, well, I, that's the short answer to the
0: question. I, yeah. Well, it, it would, they would be overturning their precedent, but I think that their precedent was a correct interpretation of the Interstate Commerce Clause, right? Because in, in Quill, they're essentially saying, no, North Dakota, you can't tax a business that doesn't exist in your state. Um, and, and so I, I think that that was a proper interpretation of the Interstate Commerce Clause. Now, if we want to change that, then we have a legislative process through which we can amend the U.S. Constitution. Um, but I don't. I, I, think, I think you're right in, in the point that you're making about woulda, shoulda. It, it, it doesn't matter. The Interstate Commerce Clause says what it says. And it says that states cannot regulate interstate commerce because that power is assigned to the federal government. So, I mean... I'm I'm fully open to having a discussion legislatively
2: uh, on, you know, the the odd question. Ought they be able to to do something different? Because my intuition says, well, if if they didn't see the need at a time when uh, catalog sales were big... To to make the change, then why why do, why do we need to now? But at the same time, the technology is such that your, comp, your you, essentially your computer, like I, I ordered paper and ink cartridges last night. It was at my door this morning. Yeah. So is is that interstate commerce? I mean, is that uh, it's 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 almost it, it, it's almost a, it's almost a, a prima facie uh, brick and mortar effect. I mean that that's the the technology has made it such that it is almost Maybe. as convenient, if yeah. not more, in some cases, to buy online than it is to drive to a, to a store. Well, um, and it, it, it may be a case where the law needs to catch up with the technology.
0: Maybe, um, but but if we're going to do it, I think we should do it properly. And and Correct. the federal government regulates interstate commerce. It is, I mean, if, without a brick. It's, it's interstate commerce, I think, full stop. And so if we're going to regulate it, I think it ought to come from the federal government. So I don't know. I mean, maybe the solution is the federal government collects a tax and then remits it to the states. I don't know. But I think we ought to be real careful about weakening the interstate commerce clause in this way. What do you think, though? Yeah. 701, thanks for, the, thanks for the call, Matt. i got to take a break. Appreciate it. 701 Email talk at WDAY.com. If you have comments or questions, we'll be back right after this. So go away.
3: Tonight, I'm gonna have a case
0: before the U.S. Supreme Court at South Dakota versus Wayfair is a challenge to a 1992-era a precedent set in a case called Quill v. North Dakota uh, at the time related to mail order sales and whether or not North Dakota could apply sales tax to those. Uh, the Supreme Court held in 1992 that states like North Dakota cannot apply their sales taxes to businesses that don't have a physical presence in their borders. Essentially, you can't apply your state policies outside of your state. Um, Now, a lot of people want that overturned because they're saying because of online sales, it's unfair to brick-and-mortar retailers. We're losing out on a lot of tax revenue. What do you think? Should that precedent be overturned? I'm not so sure it should be. I, I, I understand the interest in fairness in the marketplace. I understand the interest and not missing out, you know, uh, applying our tax code evenly. And and I even like the sales tax. It's a consumption tax. But the Interstate Commerce Clause says what it says. States cannot regulate interstate commerce. I don't want states – I don't want to set a precedent where we're going to start letting states project their policies outside of their borders. I don't think that sort of thing ends well for low-regulation, low-tax states like North Dakota. But what do you think? 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Bob, you're on. What's up?
4: Yeah, my only comment is that uh, we already have, uh, you're familiar with fuel tax on over-the-road semis. Yeah. Over-the-road semis have to keep track of the miles they go in each state and how many gallons they buy in each state, and the federal government doles that tax back to each state as it's as it's used yeah so um, so why, yeah. why can't we do why can't
0: we do that for online sales
4: i don't see why we couldn't and i don't see no. why we shouldn't i mean and uh, then
0: that's and then that's the federal government regulating interstate commerce not the states exactly yeah i don't have a problem with that
4: yeah it's uh it, it, with the fuel tax the reason they well the reason they had to do it every, every state has different tax rates for their state fuel tax And if you lived in Minnesota or North Dakota, you're driving to Minneapolis every day with a semi, bought all your fuel in North Dakota, Minnesota would get zero tax revenue out of that, and you'd be using their roads.
0: Right. No, that makes sense. You know, and it's a little bit different, I mean, because obviously trucks are using infrastructure, you know, and there's a a demonstrable cost, and and the fuel tax is kind of a user fee for the roads, right? The more you drive, the more tax you pay, Uh, you know, that's... That is what it is. I, I'm not sure the same applies, but but I I, th- I think your concept is right. The way we have structured that gets around the interstate commerce clause concerns um, by having the federal government basically collect the tax and remit it back to the states. To me, why not do that with sales taxes? You know, on on online sales, have the federal government, you know, ha- have them report. If they're doing business in the United States. They got to file taxes with the federal government anyway. Make this a part of that. File, you know what, what your sales are. Break the sales down by state. Remit that, re- remit those collections to the federal government. Federal government passes them
4: through to the states. Boom,
0: problem solved.
4: Yeah, and the taxes go back to the state in which they are purchased, not in the state in which they're sold. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which which makes it which makes it better for us because we have more retailers selling into this state than us than the other way around. So it would be a plus for us for our sales
0: tax revenues right well and, and i have a, a press release that was out from the tax commissioner's office ryan Rauscherberger's office and ryan Rauscherberger is going to join us here at one o'clock i have a press release out from his office he is estimating that north dakota is missing out on up to 50 million dollars in revenue each year so i that would be about 100 million per two-year budget cycle that's how we budget here in north dakota two-year biennium so that's 100 million dollars a budget cycle that's uh that's not small potatoes that's a big deal. Yeah, I could
4: so. use. I could use some of that. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't
0: know that they're just going to cut a check to you and I. Why? Well, I,
4: I know, but maybe you know, if you had that tax coming in, yeah, maybe some other tax could go down a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, Governor Burgum just. Re- got, Governor <laughs> Bergum actually today uh, released, and I'm, I'm looking at his uh, press release on it right now. Uh, outlined the uh, budget direction for the 2019-2021 biennium, which lawmakers will be tackling here. Uh, come january after the election and uh you know we're in for more cuts um you know he, he's calling for a base budget reductions of 5% or 10% depending on agency size so i mean we're we're still you know trying to come out of uh you know where where we saw our revenues crumble because of commodity prices and and frankly because state leaders overspent too they ballooned our budget and now you know, we're having to adjust to that and you know, another hundred million dollars of biennium coming from online sales taxes is is not a bad thing, but we gotta do it the right way. And I don't I don't think the Supreme Court should just set aside the Interstate Commerce Clause because it's convenient. I, I think they got it right in Quill. I think there's a solution we can we can we can apply the state tax to online sales taxes in a constitutional way as as Bob described that's the right way to do it more to come straight ahead 970 email talk at WDAY.com. don't go away Welcome back, Rob Port. Here on uh, nine seventy WDI ninety three point one FM. We uh, we've been talking about the online sales tax thing, and and the genesis for this was um, Democratic tax commissioner uh, Kylie Overson's out, uh, and she she kind of she ripped incumbent uh, Ryan Rauscherberger in a press release, saying that he's on the side of big out of state corporations. Uh, I, I guess because supposedly because he. Uh, he supports upholding the Quill precedent, which which prohibits states like North Dakota from you know enforcing their sales tax on uh, online sales involving retailers who don't already have a brick and mortar presence in our state. Um, so essentially, what what's happening is um, Rauschenberger actually does support overturning that. He has for some time. Um, so some basically misstating his position. But my question and and Rauschenberger's, Going to join us at 1. I invited Overson to be on the program. She hasn't responded to that invite. Roushelberger is going to be on at 1. We can talk with him more about that. Got a couple of emails in on this, though. Uh, Let's see. Randy says, I think sales tax should be collected and paid wherever the location of the seller is located. If a North Dakota business has a website and sells an item to a Minnesota resident, then North Dakota tax should be paid and vice versa. Uh, Sort of no different than before the Internet. If a phone call was placed to an out-of-state business, Um, yeah, I I mean, maybe. I I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, what the problem is is some of these businesses expand multiple jurisdictions, right? I mean, Amazon's has physical presence in lots of different states, and so which state sales tax do they collect? I think that becomes. Do they just pick a state, and then more than likely they're going to pick a state. It doesn't have an income or a sales tax.
1: Yeah, and that that does become a little bit difficult. And in a similar vein, though, if this gets uh, overturned and sellers are now required to be tracking the sales tax for every place that they're selling, an Etsy seller who's selling in, you know, who sells their product to somebody in Virginia and Texas and New York and California suddenly has to know what type of sales tax to charge for each of those jurisdictions. Right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And burdensome.
0: It is. I like I like the idea of of doing something through the federal government like we do with the fuel tax. To me, that makes a lot more sense. 7012, like uh, the, the caller in the last segment um, mentioned, uh, another email uh, from Scott. Uh, Rob, according to your article, Ryan, uh, referring to the tax commissioner, Ryan Rauschenberger, said North Dakota is losing $50 million. Uh, calendar year 2016 taxable sales and purchases totaled 17.3 billion in North Dakota. That equates to 0.2 point 0. Point, <coughs> excuse me point percent that North Dakota would gain less than one third of a percent. I will be paying five to six and a half percent more on each purchase, a net loss for my online purchases. Also, can I buy parts for my car at 40 to 60 percent? Also, I could buy parts for my car at 40 to 60 percent of what the brick and mortar store costs. My two cents worth. Um yeah, I mean, that's a lot of it. I mean, one one big complicating factor of this is all the different taxing jurisdictions that we have. In north Dakota, the uh, the state the uh, state sales tax is five percent. Depending on where you live, it may be more, right? Uh, I, I guess I don't know off the top of my head what Fargo sales tax is, but but the different cities um, sometimes add sales tax on top of that. So now you've got even within the state of North Dakota, a whole bunch of different taxing jurisdictions that you got to keep track of. It's not just, I sold I sold a widget to somebody in North Dakota. It's, I sold a widget to somebody in North Dakota in Castleton as opposed to Fargo.
1: And when you start crossing state lines, you also have different t- taxes that are applicable to different types of products. I mean, if, right. if, some, if a seller in North we Dakota... We have exemptions
0: s- from the sales taxes, yeah.
1: If a seller in North Dakota sells a sweater to someone in Minnesota... Where does the tax go there? And if that seller sells that same sweater back to the seller in North Dakota, the tax situation is going to be different. Right. So the cost uh, of that sweater is going to change.
0: I, I, I could tell you, as somebody who used to manage a retail store in this state, I could tell you some of the exemptions. Like, we had, a, we had an exemption for, um, at the time, and I don't, I don't know if it's still the case, but when I worked uh, in retail, we had an exemption for uh, maintenance equipment for farm machinery. Right, you know, if it was basically if it was repair items or something, it was exempt from the sales tax. I had to fight all the time with farmers coming into the store because they thought everything applied under that exemption, and it was such so poorly defined. I mean, it was really hard to administer that at the store level. And, and let's remember the, the the burden we're putting on collecting all this tax. Is on the businesses themselves, so it's it's not a simple issue by any stretch of the imagination. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday com. You can tweet me too at Rob Port. Caller, Rich, you're on. What's up?
3: Uh, businesses are already doing some form of this anyway. I'm I'm going to go to number one. I'm going to go to like transportation tax, like fuel tax. When you're, when you're driving semis across the border and you're delivering product, you know, you have to do yep. an IFTA. You have to have an IFTA sticker and you have to pay tax. Right. Even though you pay tax at the pump for your fuel, they have to divvy out that money on the states for the roads. Right. So they, they do that. Now, I do, I do construction. And when I do construction in different cities, I sell materials to the people I included in on our bids. I have to pay a use tax. And if it's in Jamestown, I pay a different tax. If it's in Fargo, I pay a different tax, and if it's in Minnesota, I pay a different tax, and my accountant has to do that. So I don't think it's all that hard to do. It's just where the stuff's going, and I agree with you 100% on the consumption tax. It should be where the product's going is where the tax should be. So if it's coming in North Dakota, in Jamestown or Fargo, it should be taxed at that sales tax rate because everybody's budgets depend on sales tax in in them locations.
0: I I don't I don't necessarily have a problem. I think you're right. I don't necessarily have a problem with the idea of of applying the sales tax to online sales. I mean that that, that is what it is. Uh I I don't I don't buy I I mean listen, so I, I think a lot of people sort of blame the demise of brick and mortar retail on the lot rise of online retail. The the ta- I, I don't know. I don't think the tax situation is that big a part of it. I, I think just Shopping online for a lot of products is just easier for people, and, and you're just well, not going to co- fight. It's,
3: it's a convenience. It's a you're convenience. Just, you're just not and... going to fight progress.
0: You're not going to fight yeah. progress on that front. And but if we want to apply the tax, fine. My concern is if we're going to do it through a Supreme Court ruling that weakens the Interstate Commerce Clause. That's what I'm concerned about. I worry about doing it in a way that allows states. That's a precedent by which we're going to start allowing states to project their laws, their regulations, their taxes. Beyond their borders, I think that's a dangerous mm-hmm. thing to do. If we're going to do it, I think the federal the federal government regulates interstate commerce. So maybe we need to do it like we do with the fuel taxes. Have the online retailers remit, you know, collect and remit to the federal government, which then sends the money back to the states proportionally to whatever they're. they're I, I think we can set up a system like that that works that gets around Quill without weakening the interstate commerce clause. Does that make sense?
3: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And going back to the brick and mortar and the online sales, you know, I mean it's convenience for doing the online, you know, and but, you know, I mean I'm a musician too, so I used to go to guitar stores all over and people go into guitar stores and they play these things, they try out this piece of instrument and then they go, I'm gonna buy it yeah. online for X amount of cheaper and I'm not gonna pay sales yeah. tax. And then they start complaining about why stores are closing. You know, there's there's that you know, the convenience of having it right at your door the next day is fine, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take it to the next level where you're going to go, oh, I wish there was another store around where I could go look yeah. at something. Well, I mean, well, yeah,
0: so consumers are going to have to realize that the decisions they are making are impacting local businesses. If you want those local businesses to stick around and be an option for you, you got to spend some money there. You've got to make that choice. If you keep choosing to spend your money online, then you know eventually what's going to happen? But, Rich, I, I think what we're going through is a reorganizational period in retail. I think we're going to start to see we're going to start to see some some brick and mortar come back, and but it's going to be vertically integrated with online sales. I, I mean that's why you look oh, at like uh, Am, I, Amazon bought Whole Foods, for instance. I think is a really good example of this, um, and, and and Amazon's even been opening some brick and mortar stores, and I, I think the reason why is Amazon still makes money, right? Amazon's not hurt if you go into one of their stores and and you try out the product and then order it online, you're still buying from Amazon, right? And, and so I think mm-hmm. I, I, I think you're starting to see, like, Target. I mean, I, I, right now I could shop online and then pick it up at my local Target. That's hugely convenient. Um, I, I think a lot more stuff like that's going to happen. It's going to ease out some of the stuff. But it's just some of the old ways of doing retail are just going to have to go by the wayside. And I know it hurts for some people, but that's sort of the way free markets work. It's It's creative destruction.
3: Well, I think it's going to, you know, I mean, everybody's got busy lives. they got lots of stuff to do. last thing they want to do is walk around a store or trying to find something, and they could find it online within minutes, you know. I understand that. But you go back to our sales tax issue with even the, the diversion dam and stuff like that, that sales tax revenues are dropping and stuff like that. There's always little bits and reasons why that drops, and uh, that could be one of them, you know. Yeah. Online Rich, sales. So. Rich,
0: thanks. thanks for the call. Appreciate yep. it. Brad emails, goes, Rob, one of the biggest parts of this tax that I've heard over and over again is because of companies like eBay and Amazon. Since it's a huge portion of sales on these websites is because guys like you and me set up an auction and sell something like a DVD or a car part or whatever. Am I now supposed to somehow collect a tax if I want to sell something around the house? I'm not operating a business in this sense. eBay and Amazon make most of their money from a small fee they charge me to use their service in order to sell something. I'm just curious how this will work moving forward. Seems silly altogether to me. Brick-and-mortar stores have the option to sell stuff online, and the government already has enough tax money. They piss away. Thanks. Well, Brad, actually, I I think people who aren't regular, there's an exemption. Like, if you sell something through the classifieds, as long as you're not like making a business out of it, and I, the tax commissioner's on in the next hour. We can ask him about it. But I, I'm pretty sure as long as you're not making a business out of it, you don't necessarily have to collect the sales tax. There is an exemption in the law for that sort of thing. More to come straight ahead here on The Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port. Wrapping up hour one. text switcher Ryan Roushberger is on next. So, if you have if you have questions, and that was a uh, that was an interesting point uh, that emailer in the last segment made to Teal was is well, what about people who are just selling some things from around the house on eBay? Uh, my understanding, and and don't don't take this as legal advice because. As a lawyer, <clears throat> I'm a pretty good talk radio host, which is <laughs> to say, I'm not much of a lawyer. Don't take my legal advice. But my understanding is that if it's like garage sale type situations, you don't have to collect sales tax. You know, um, That still now, doesn't
1: help all those poor Etsy sellers.
0: Right. Um, right. I, I, if, if you cross the threshold, and I don't know how, how exactly that's defined, um, but if you, if you cross the threshold and it's a business, like something you're doing regularly, like you're procuring items and reselling them, or you're making items and selling them, that's a big business. That's not you getting rid of some junk. That's you in a business. And, and at that point you have to begin collecting a sales tax. You have to get a permit. You have to collect the sales tax, which, which by the way, it's the other thing. It's not just a matter of collecting the tax. You got to file and get a permit too. So this stuff's all very confusing, and we'll have the tax commissioner on next. He can, first of all, clarify after his uh, Democratic opponent, Kylie Overson, misrepresented his position in a press release. He will clarify his position on uh, the, the, the quill matter and then also, um, I, I guess, answer some of your other questions. 701-293-9000, 888 email talk at WDAY.com. Natil, what do you think of this whole thing? I, I assume you do a lot of online shopping. What do you think of this?
1: I do tons of online shopping and I think that anything that's going to make the selling and purchasing of items online across state lines more complicated is stupid. Yeah. Because aren't we just j- this is just my two cents here but aren't we a nation of consumers?
0: Yeah. Shouldn't well, we're we a nation ju- of entrepreneurs too. I mean I mean I think I think America's success is tied up with just making commerce easy.
1: And this does not seem like something that's going to make commerce easy for anybody, buyer or seller.
0: Right. I I, I think we benefit when it's easy for people to enter the marketplace, right? Like it's – I want it to be easy as possible to start a business. And I want it to be as easy as possible for you to compete with other businesses to provide goods and services. And I want it to be easy as possible for you to to engage in transactions with other individuals or other businesses – commerce i and want for all of that to bus- be just as easy as we can make it
1: yeah and for small businesses the internet is a huge portion of how they do business from marketing to sales
0: well look at the, look at the playing field at level i mean you, you talk about all those etsy people you know I, I remember dick cheney back during and i i realize this is an odd choice for somebody who had sort of a, a uh understood online retail dick cheney but i remember during i think it was the 2004 election Uh, He was having a vice presidential debate with John Edwards, and during that debate, he talked about sort of the – I think he referred to it as a hidden economy of like eBay and Craigslist and everybody being able – suddenly his argument was essentially America has been enriched by the internet because all of a sudden a lot of the junk around your house has more value than it did before. Because if you wanted to sell it to somebody, your old board games or your old furniture or whatever – it's it's not just the market of whoever might see the ad for your garage sale in the newspaper and stop by on a Saturday. Now you can reach an audience of potentially millions of people on the internet and sell your product to them. I mean the the market for your junk has been expanded a great deal, and so there's there's a whole resale market out there that this may avail. Now again, that's not really germane to the sales tax debate, but I, I mean online. It has been a profound change. and, and honestly, I, I mean if some businesses close because they're being you know they have competition from online retailers, I, I mean, to me a certain amount of that's just progress. A certain amount of that's just you, you're not gonna fight something that's convenient, right?' You're, you're not gonna fight people, you know, you, you can't fight progress, right? if it's if it's easy for if it's easy for somebody to sit on their couch, and order an auto part or order a new pair of jeans or something from their couch as opposed to like having to go around to a bunch of different stores and, and comparison shop. They're going to do it. They're, they're going to do it. Right? I mean, c- consumerism, capitalism, commerce is generally going to follow the path of least resistance. You know, I, there's still going to be a place for brick and mortar in our world. It's just going to have to change. And I, I think if our motivation for public policy is to try to preserve the status quo, I think that's a fool's errand. We shouldn't be afraid of change. Tax Commissioner Ryan Rauscherberger coming up next. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDYM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. And be with my lady. He smiled and said, you ain't got no saying in this Shut your old
5: mouth and get up the ladder. Up the ladder. Hour two, Rob
0: Report here on 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM, guiding you through your afternoon. The I I didn't expect that our a, a nerdy conversation about sales taxes would take up the entire first hour of the program, but and now it's who just knew? continuing into the second and now, hour. Now it's it's we're we're going to continue. We're going to bring North Dakota Chief Tax Nerd Ryan Rauschenberger on the program. Ryan, how you doing?
6: How are you doing, Rob? Thanks for having uh, me on. An yeah. hour? My goodness.
0: Yeah. You've already did done the an whole, hour on this. Good for you. We already, yeah, <laughs> well, we, we've been talking about it a lot. People are interested. With, it, uh, they are. They are
6: very it's, interested in this.
0: It's, it's an interesting topic. Now, first of all, tell us, I mean, Quill v. North Dakota, that's been longstanding Supreme Court precedent dating back to 1992. Obviously, as you can guess from the case title, originated here in North Dakota, it had to do with a um, with mail order sales, essentially, and Supreme Court saying, no, North Dakota, you can't tax um, mail order sales into your state by companies that have no physical presence in your state. So that's essentially been the precedent as we have moved into the digital age where we have all sorts of online commerce happening, uh, and and essentially the, the federal court saying uh, states cannot enforce their sales tax policies on – online retailers that don't have a physical presence in their state. Um, now, there's, there, there's a case coming out of South Dakota now. The Dakota's just just leading the charge on this. <laughs> right. uh, South Dakota versus Wayfair, which is an online – Wayfair – they're like an online um, – I think it's like housing, like uh, furniture and stuff like that.
6: Yeah, that's what they are, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. So anyway, South Dakota versus the Wayfair, uh, which essentially it's before the Supreme Court now and challenges the Quill precedent – you're hoping quill gets overturned is that correct because your, your opponent uh, Democratic uh, tax commissioner candidate Kylie Overson suggesting you're siding with big out-of-state corporations um, but but you support overturning quill correct
6: well that's correct and I and I want to make a couple quick points on that is you know I do support overturning quill and 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 we you know we've been working with Congress for a number of years to try to ad- address it uh, legislatively um, the way the South Dakota law reads is you know that law was in put in place specifically, um, essentially, to go to the Supreme Court. And uh, and it worked its way through South Dakota very quickly. And I think one of the reasons that the Dakotas are, are end up in these cases is we're, we're fast-moving states. The, the, the judicial systems in North Dakota and South Dakota are fairly streamlined. And that's kind of an interesting fact is I think South Dakota was chosen because they could go directly to the Supreme Court with an issue and go directly from there to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, so I think there's a... There's a bit of a trend there with the Dakotas being efficient and smaller states um, being chosen for these uh, to set precedent. But uh, as far as my position versus my opponents, I'll be honest, I don't know where my opponent uh, was coming from with the statement. Um, I, I am in support of having some sort of enforcement for online retailers um, subject to some sort of de minimis, some, you know, if they reach a certain threshold to have to comply with the state sales tax laws. And part of this reason, I think that's important that a lot, and this is purely educational, is a lot of people don't, I don't, I don't think, understand that when you buy something online right now uh, in state law uh, in North Dakota and, and basically in the 45 states that have sales taxes, you actually are you actually owe that tax regardless of whether that online retailer collected it or not. It's called use yeah. tax. So, yeah. so that's part of the Nobody, thing. Is
0: it's still, nobody's it's doing still that, Ryan. Tax
6: it's actually owed. <laughs>
0: Nobody's doing that, Ryan. I know, and, and they're
6: not. I think last year about nine individuals submitted that, so no.
0: <laughs> nine <laughs> individuals. <laughs> no, I would like to get – I, like I would like That's the problem
6: nationwide is it's decades-old sales and use tax laws. <laughs> trying to fit that into a digital age, it's, dif- it's difficult stuff. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that you talked about it for an hour because, you know, I talk about it for hours every day uh, about how this could even work and, and have the gotta... processes in place to do it.
0: I, I I know your office probably can't divulge to us who those people are, but I'd like to get one of them on the program and ask them what, what's wrong.
6: It's, it's it's very much an honor. Um, we'll call it a, an honor system that um, folks have submitted and said, I, I bought this stuff online. Um, don't feel right not having the tax owed on it. I know it's to do, and, and they'll do that. But, yeah. but that's very much the case in, in all the states where use tax on an individual basis really isn't administratively feasible um, uh, for, you know, the smaller dollar amount with with such a large population, uh, especially now that online has grown so much, that use tax that is technically owed, again, under decades-old law, um, is is a difficult administrative issue, and that's one of the reasons we've – our North Dakota, uh, the Attorney General, the Attorney's General, um, not only here with Wayne Stenzel, but 42 other states, I believe, signed on to this along with South Dakota. So now, it's pretty uniform that the states yeah. feel that something needs to be done. You know, binary up-or-down vote in the Supreme Court a difficult threshold. I'll be honest, I don't know if they're going to overturn it. But um, the other route is something congressional. And, yeah. you know if, if well, I would
0: I would like to see something congressional. I would I, here's what I, would, I worry about with this Supreme Court case is we're dealing with the Commerce Clause. Yeah. and I think that's a very important piece of policy a part of our state constitution excuse me our U.S Constitution for a state like North Dakota that a doesn't have a lot of people, B is low tax and C is is low regulation. And I, I think of the, the, the years long fight we had with Minnesota, over Minnesota essentially trying to push their environmental regulations into our state by restricting the sell, the, the sale of, uh, of, of coal-fired electricity. Now, that case hinged on the interstate commerce clause and where the mm-hmm. federal courts came down and they said, Minnesota, you can't push your state regulations outside of your borders. The federal government regulates interstate commerce, not the state's. I, I worry I, I don't want to weaken that uh, you know and, and maybe it makes sense because I'm not necessarily against applying the sales tax to online sales I, I mean if we, if we get to that point I, I think we could craft a policy to do it fairly I worry about letting the states do it directly I feel like I feel like Congress has to step in and do something and do it through the federal government and let me ask you this because the caller brought up a really good point in the last segment this caller was a trucker and he said they call you know they essentially have that the federal government collects fuel tax dollars and then remits them back to the states based on mileage reports that the the truckers are required to file. So in that case, you have essentially the federal government collecting the tax and then remitting the dollars back to the states based on that. Couldn't we do something similar with sales taxes for online retail?
6: Well, I I think that's an interesting point. I think think there's something somewhere there in the middle because on the one end, you have this binary up or down vote with the Supreme Court. We'll say that's one end of the spectrum. Which, like you said, um, I, I just want to clarify that you know, with the commerce clause, um, I, I I was on some conference calls yesterday, and it was and it, it reminded me that you know the way that this case was brought would be very specific to sales tax, not income, not even other tax types, just specific to the sales tax, because of and again, I'm not a I'm not an attorney, but the way it's been brought is my understanding is a ruling would stay within that realm. So I, I feel a little more comfortable. I think the uh, as far as um, whittling too far away at the Interstate Commerce Clause because they would, the, the court would likely set such a, a high threshold for a state to impose it that, um, for example, like here in North Dakota, there's one One is, uh, on the court side still, is the case in North Dakota, or so, sorry, the South Dakota law has a de minimis, and they they picked it specifically because of the burden they didn't want to impose on the smaller retailers. You have to have at least $100,000 of sales into a state in the previous year to even have to start. Complying with that, and that's why okay. South Dakota. We actually have that law here too. We mirrored it in 2017. Um, now, it, it, and, is and it, it just just on the Supreme Court side, just to make sure we there wasn't that much of a burden on on the smaller of the small retailers. But on the same side, on the uh, on the other side of that, with congressional, you know, we on, on the congressional side, you know, we've been working. It's been a political football. Uh, there's been many many drafts that I've read over the years uh, to do something in Congress with sim- you know required simplification. Um, politics gets, you know, even though we have 41 states in, in favor of this, it, it gets to be a bit of a political football in Congress, and that's been difficult. And I think that's why South Dakota went to the Supreme Court is because I've been around a decade in this office between deputy commissioner and commissioner, and we've been working with Congress. We haven't been able to get anything done, so they said, all right, we're going back to the courts. And right or wrong, it's at least, at least we're having the conversation, right?
0: Yeah, that's. I guess that's true. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at WDAY.com. Now, your your press release yesterday on this said that it's it's about you're estimating about fifty million dollars in additional. If if we could tax, if we could enforce the sales tax on on these online sales that are taking place, it's about fifty million dollars a calendar year. I, I'm assuming about a hundred million dollars per two year two year budget cycle, roughly. Um, is is uh, an emailer emailed in and said well that's that's like that, that that's less than 1% of our overall sales tax sales and use tax collections is that even that big of a deal i mean why are you even that worried about this
6: you know i was listening uh, that i'll I'll clarify that um, i'll clarify that statistic because the caller listed the 17 billion in total sales not tax that's the sales tax okay. base okay okay so so, when you think about it you used a hundred million a biennium we well, we're going to collect probably one point well, around two billion this biennium so so really, we're talking about uh five percent um that's that'd be a five percent of all sales tax collections um so so it's a much bigger figure than what the caller had that that happens a lot when you when you because our report we report on a statistical uh economic number of the dollars in the economy changing hand that's the seventeen billion dollar he he was using. Um, on the other hand, it's the hundred million would be. I, I'm just math on the go. Uh, the hundred million out of maybe around the current two billion biennium number. So it is, okay. it, it is significant in our sales tax base, uh, in in the sense that that's the piece of the pie that's growing. And you know, I I've, and I've said this over the years and and even just this week that I'm not opposed, you know, legislatively, from lowering taxes. If all of a sudden we collect hundred billion, hundred million, two hundred million more. Maybe we lower the state sales tax to four and a half, four and three quarter percent instead of five. You know, yeah. that's to, to keep that burden um, essentially about the same in total to have the collections be neutral. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think that's a legislative decision. But yeah.
0: to me, it's more I, I, about l- I like the sales tax. Me, though. It's I, I think
6: fairness if... than the than the actual uh, revenue amount.
0: Yeah, I, I like the sale. I mean, just philosophically, I like the sales tax. I like the idea of tax and consumption. Mm-hmm. I like it better than say taxing income you know if we're going to have if we're going to tax something i'd rather tax consumption so i I don't know about cutting the sales tax but we could we could talk about that maybe another time um in in terms of uh what what about you because you're talking about a a, a de minimis and north dakota mirrored south dakota's law some of some of the some of the conversation has has been concerning you know, what about people who are, are just getting started? And, and in particular, people who are, you know, I got some junk around my house that I want to get rid of. Like, I want to get rid of an old couch so I could buy a new couch. Yeah. Do I have to collect sales tax on that? How does that work?
6: No, and and that's a great point. And we've talked about this before because, you know, with eBay and we'll call it casual sales in law. You know, if, if, if you're just selling your stuff to get rid of it, no. That is a casual sale. There's no tax. It's used. It's, tax has already been paid on it once. But what when it when it, it it's a kind of a gray area but when you start engaging in the business of buying inventory and selling it or creating something to sell it to make money then you're then you're in the realm of 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 sales tax and so so the garage sales know but if but if you're if you have a storefront or even even just out of your out of your garage if you're constantly buying inventory that's a that's a key factor there too one of the factors if you're buying inventory to resell on a regular basis, you're engaged in business, and you're competing with somebody down the street that's collecting tax.
0: Now, how so would something like that work? Is, is, so, that, is that through your office? Like like if you see somebody and, and they're, they're holding a garage sale every week, and they're like, do you do – I mean, who makes that determination? Because you said it's kind of a gray area, so I'm assuming it, somebody has to look at the situation and make a determination.
6: It is. Our sales tax compliance officers look at that, and we go, all right – you know, and, and whether it's whether it's different online sites where we see the same people that are on there every day, day in and day out, um, that that person I don't think casually owns 16 boats and has been selling a boat every two weeks for you know one of those situations. You know, somebody's been buying inventory, clearly selling it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna call them up and ask them, just say, hey, are are you engaged in this business? If so, you need to register with us and start collecting tax. You know, yeah. we're not going to be vindictive or anything. We we just want to make sure that everybody's playing by the rules. And but when you that's the key is when you start getting engaging in that business to make money and in buying inventory, you really you really do need to start remitting sales tax. And 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 when it comes to that, um, the South Dakota case, which we mirrored here, um, you know, with a supermajority Republican legislature and the governor signed. The, the the reason it it, it worked and why South Dakota was the state chosen really to go to the Supreme Court was because of that de minimis. We did not want to have your smaller online. We'll just call them the you know the the individuals, whether it's Etsy folks or folks selling stuff here and there on eBay. You know if you if you don't have a hundred thousand dollars of sales into a state in the previous year, we're not we're not going to bother with you. We're we're going to leave you alone, and that's the reason why that case and that statute was chosen to not be too much of a burden um, on the smaller retailers. Once you start getting above, if you're selling into 10 states, $100,000 or more each, I don't consider you a small, um, unsophisticated retailer. I, I, you're, you're reaching that level, and there's and there's free software out there that, that we partner with 24 other states through Streamline that will calculate the local tax. That actually has our tax base embedded in that software so all you got to do is plug that in. It does all the work for you. So the, so the burden isn't there like it was 10, 15 years ago. That's right. why this case is in front of the Supreme Court.
0: Ryan, last, last question. We, we started off kind of joking. I mean, we have a use tax in our state that if you, if you buy something online and you didn't pay – because if you buy something from Amazon, they're collecting the sales tax. Exactly. If you buy from an online retailer that doesn't collect the sales tax, you're actually still responsible. You're supposed to remit that tax to the state. You said just nine – people did that last year listener <laughs> wants to know were you one of them were you one of the nine
6: i do submit use tax yes i do you do um uh and that's something that cory fong my pre my predecessor has done and and i and i sub- i don't i don't buy much online i'll be honest i i really don't Um yeah. very few and most of what i buy online they are collecting and remitting um but in the past when i've when i've owed it and i've you know caught huh. myself and go oh boy i do all that it's so it's so uh seamless sometimes you catch yourself not even realizing it frankly yeah. Um uh, but it but it is important to to submit that if if you feel you owe it and you, you it wasn't collected uh it's a collection issue and uh it's something that should be done but the reason why we we feel that online retailers you know if we're a significant market with technology we feel that someone should be able to comply if they're a large enough seller
0: well i gotta admit uh, Ryan, I, I wasn't one of the nine, so I don't I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if I need most, to have a conversation sure, with so. your enforcement <laughs> office. But <laughs> All right. Well Ryan, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. That's uh, Tax Commissioner Ryan Rauscherberger. I'm Rob Port here on nine seventy W D Y AM ninety three point one FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDY, AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888 email talk at WDY.com. Nathiel, were you one of the nine North Dakotans who submitted a use tax for your online sales? No. No, yeah. I don't know if we should be admitting this on air or not, but if they're going to come after people.
1: But, you know, so the the use tax for, is it, it's for the seller who's doing online selling?
0: No, it's for the buyer. Oh! If you buy something online and you don't pay a sales tax, you're supposed to.
1: <laughs> I'm screwed. Remit it to the then. state. I didn't know that. I think, even, I think I if didn't you even buy, that.
0: I think if you even buy something in another state and then bring it to North Dakota, I think you're supposed to remit a use tax.
1: See, I didn't know that.
0: Eh, nobody does. I like. Nobody. I didn't.
1: I honestly didn't even know that was a thing. It's so, a thing. So I had no idea that. I there don't was even something know why it's still on the books.
0: I don't even know why it's still on the books at this point. Nobody's paying it. And I'm in favor. If nobody's gonna follow the law, then we should just get rid of the law. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody's nobody's doing it. Um, so I don't know. I I I don't want to weaken the interstate. Here's let's let's put a period at the end of the sentence because we've been doing our entire show about this. I don't want to weaken the interstate commerce clause. I'm not against the solution from the federal government to collect and remit sales taxes for on behalf of the states. I, I think that's the proper solution to go to. Um, Hey, can we talk about the Starbucks thing for a minute? They're going to close 8,000 U.S. stores. Wow, really? In uh, in May. They're going to close 8,000 U.S. stores for mandatory racial sensitivity training. Oh. Or anti-bias training, they're calling it. Uh, after Because there, there was a big thing. Two African-American men were arrested at a store in Philadelphia, um, at, a, at a Starbucks store in Philadelphia, and... Um, Apparently they asked, they asked to use the bathroom, uh, the restaurant or the, the Starbucks management says, no, you can't, um, you can't use it unless you're a customer, at which point they then sat down in the store and weren't leaving. And eventually the store people called police and said that they were trespassing. And I, I don't, I guess I don't understand why this is a racial, I mean, I mean, maybe, I mean, the, the, the two gentlemen happen to be African-American, but. And I don't know all the details, but I mean, if, if I'm and I'm reading this from the New York Times, here's 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 how the New York Times put it. The two men were arrested after asking to use the restroom at a Starbucks in Philadelphia. An employee refused the request because the men had not bought anything. According to officials, the men sat down and were asked to leave. And an employee eventually called the police. The ensuing scene was recorded in a video that has been viewed more than 10 million times on Twitter. In it, police officers appear to handcuff both men as a third man, Andrew Yaffe, confronts them. Um, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, lots of stores have policies. You can't use their restroom unless you're a customer. Uh, And if you refuse to leave somebody's private property, you might get arrested for trespassing. I I don't...
1: The bathroom one, though, was that... The, a white customer was not asked to purchase something before using the restroom. Oh, is that what it was? Okay, where that's information I was of. the customer was required to purchase something before using, because the the black customer was intending to purchase something at the restaurant, but needed to use the restroom first.
0: Yeah, the New York Times left that part out. I feel like that's kind of an important part of the story. That is New important
1: information to have.
0: So, I don't know. Still, closing down 8,000 stores over that? that seems stores. like an over, That seems like a re- overreaction. I don't know. More to come straight ahead. This is The Rob Report, 970 wday uh 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. The Rob Report.
4: The Rob Report.
0: On 970 wday The Rundown. Okay, Nathil, what do we got?
1: Proposed Minnesota law aims to crack down on protesters, but protesters are protesting. <sighs>
0: That's right. Protesters
1: going to protest.
0: All right. What are they what are they proposing? (laughs) Uh,
1: So as the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission is preparing to vote in June on Enbridge's controversial line three replacement project, Northland lawmakers are pushing for legislation that would crack down on uh, those who are training or recruiting protesters to damage critical infrastructure such as oil pipelines. It would amend an existing law that bars people from damaging critical public service facilities, utilities and pipelines, uh, which was introduced to the House on March 12th and March 15th to the Senate. The law would make, quote, anyone who recruits, trains, aids, advises, hires, counsels or conspires with or otherwise procures another to trespass is liable for any damage done during said trespassing
0: so here's the thing about it. They, there is absolutely no question that protest groups organize themselves around. We we saw it with the Dakota access protests. And I think Minnesota is considering this because the protesters are around around the line three Enbridge project or are basically promising to turn that into another Dakota access situation. And so, they're trying to get ahead of it, and, and I understand that. And what we saw during the Dakota Access protest was the the protesters. I mean, would, would would literally, you could watch them on social media, talking about how they were going to use obstruct, they were going to block highways, they were going to trespass, they were going to vandalize. Uh, I mean, at one point, the protesters came to the Bismarck Mandan community, set a truck on fire, and used it to try to block railroad tracks. Now they're being organized by groups that raise lots of money and they have lawyers that are paid for by those groups. And so I can understand wanting to strike at that and say, listen, you are basically organizing to perpetrate a crime, you know, and, and sometimes it's a misdemeanor, trespassing, or whatever, but it's it's hugely disruptive. It's also conspiracy. I mean right. when,
1: when you are conspiring with others to commit a crime there there are punishments for things like that when you get into the felony level conspiracy to See and this is
0: this is what bothers me because they start invoking the first amendment around this stuff. Well the first amendment doesn't protect your right to, to commit a crime. Right? Even even the concept of of civil disobedience as it as it um like like in in, in sort of in the um in the tradition of um Thoreau, uh Gandhi, Martin Luther King, um even that it, you, you forget the civil part of it, right? They submit to their punishment, like they accept that we are committing crimes. You're not just exonerated from this. I mean, this was the Fargo Forum had an editorial recently where they were they were critical of of criminal charges against journalists who were out there, you know, working with the protesters and who were arrested along with the protesters for things like like trespassing uh, and inciting a riot. Now, a a lot of the journalists were were very much a part of the protest. I, I mean, I think that's the problem is. You know, you, you blur some lines where all of a sudden somebody's doing a Facebook live stream or they get credentialed by some activist group and now they are a journalist, and, and suddenly the laws apply differently to them. No, the, the laws apply to everybody. If you have to break the law in order to commit a, an act of journalism, then I, I think you should just be, be prepared to face the punishment. Much as like if, if you're prepared to break the law uh, to, to make a political point, then okay, but you've got to be ready to accept the punishment. The the laws in question are not unjust laws. Trespass laws are not unjust laws.
1: Well, and you can make another comparison when it comes to the idea of free speech. We in this country have decided that money is speech, that your ability to spend money counts as speech, and therefore under free speech laws, there are a lot of freedoms as to what you can do with your money. But there are still illegal things that you can do with your money. You can't. Yeah. You can't launder your money. You can't use your money to commit well, we crimes.
0: Have, we have laws on the books. Like if I pay somebody else to murder somebody,
1: you still go down for the murder. I
0: still committed a crime, even though I didn't actually do the killing. Like exactly. I was part of the conspiracy. Or I don't. I don't know it's, what all yeah, the laws that, are that, like. That, that, that. would so, be
1: conspiracy to commit murder. I think exactly. I, I, th-
0: I think that's what the folks in Minnesota are trying to do. Is essentially, you know conspiracy to commit you know obstruction or trespass or whatever i you know maybe those laws aren't on the books now they're trying to put them on the books people are invoking the first amendment as a defense i don't think it is Now that being said i mean i very much want to protect the right of people to protest and have their say uh i just want the rule of law i mean we have the law for a reason i don't think that your right to protest extends to being able to obstruct lawful industry or obstruct lawful commerce or lawful travel or or is a protection or an immunity for you to be able to go on other people's property who don't want you there or or to vandalize other people's property? So uh, you know'm I'm, I'm very much in favor of getting after some of these groups that are using law breaking essentially as a part of their activism. i I'm very much in favor of holding them accountable as well. and, and indeed, I, there, there are civil lawsuits stemming from the Dakota access situation where, uh, energy Transfer Partners is going after some of the some of the political groups to hold them liable for what was perpetrated, and and frankly, they they should be. I agree. What's next? Trump's tax cut is not
1: for everyone, as was feared by many Californians. A million Californians will be owing $12 billion collectively more <laughs> next year.
0: You know what I love? I love I love this story for a couple of reasons. First. The, the Democratic talking point is that the, the Trump tax cuts were just tax cuts for the rich, right? And so, but now you've got a bunch of like whiny blue state liberals who are upset because their taxes are going up, right? A bunch of one percenters in California are upset because their taxes are going up. So much for the tax cuts just being tax cuts for the rich, just disrupts that narrative. Also, this is catnip for Trump's base. We're raising taxes on a bunch of California millionaires. You know, no, no, nobody in Trump country is crying any tears about that.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you, you do say that, but it's not just, it's not just the rich one percenters in California that are, that are going to be saddled with some of this because California is a very high tax state. Right. And they currently had an ability to take a deduction for paying their state and local taxes. Yeah. Say what you will about the fairness of that. That was something that they were allowed to do. Uh, very wealthy Californians are going to be paying the lion's share of that, but about 751,000 households with incomes less than $250,000 will probably be owing about another billion dollars in taxes.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. Um I'm uh, sort of my first reaction there was a was a political reaction to it. I I think I think it disrupts the political narrative around around the Trump tax cuts. I think also um, I I, I think it's just going to make Trump's base happier with him. But then even as as a practical matter of policy, I'm for it. I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, allowing high tax. I mean, we're all allowed to deduct local taxes from from our federal taxes, but obviously the benefit that accrues much more so to high tax states like say California or New York or or, or the like. Um I don't like the idea of doing that. I, I don't think we should be now we didn't get rid of the deduction. We essentially capped it. Correct. Um but that's gonna hurt that's gonna hurt high tax states more. I don't think we should deduct this at all. I, I don't I don't think I don't think your federal tax liability should have anything to do with what your state local tax liability is. If I just I don't, I don't I don't think you can do that all denied. at
1: once though. I think capping no. it is a good place to start because if you if you did that all at once, there'd be a whole lot more low I income I say I earning. say roll it all
0: the way back because all, all you're doing by allowing that is, is allowing states like California and New York to hide some of the costs of state government in in essentially the federal budget. And but I'm, I'm But not, their
1: citizens have got to have time to make that adjustment. So you start with yeah. the cap you let them make that adjustment and then you start rolling the cap back further because that Maybe, that places the burden yeah. more on the government to make the changes than it does on the citizens to suddenly pick up all the slack.
0: I Yeah, I, that's that's fair. I, I understand that point. I, I'm just, in general, I'm a big fan of price signals. I think that, that people should feel the full cost of what they receive. And so if you live in a high-tax state like California, you should bear all of that cost and you shouldn't be shielded from it uh on you shouldn't be shielded from it by you know a a federal tax policy um you know so if you live if you don't like california's taxes move
5: boom caller hell you're on what's up i'm not sure if i got anything more to add you're doing pretty good today there ron
0: well
6: thank you uh, sir glad to hear it just from a common ordinary taxpayer
5: don't have that many millions rolling in every month or year into my account or anything, but you know it's it's time that these so-called blue states or high-tech states or wherever we're at gets competitive as far as you know putting in to try to draw people towards their state or uh, you know just as far as their budgets are, you know. They just can't tax all their people the heck all together and expect the yeah. federal government to bail them out? Yeah, the whole well, I mean, really, is- by, by allowing
0: by, – by, I mean, we're, we're, we're making the budget deficit worse by allowing these high-tax – these people in high-tax states to deduct their local taxes. I mean, we're we're creating upward pressure on federal taxes – by doing that. So I mean, I, I can't say that the cost falls directly to us, because let's let's be honest, we're financing these shortfalls with deficit spending, but uh it, it creates a worse fiscal picture at the federal level. I, I don't like any tax policy that allows lower levels of government to pass the buck up to higher levels of government. Here in North Dakota, we did a lot of that with the state government trying to buy down local property taxes, basically lay uh bailing out the local the, the local governor government. Uh it's not a good thing. Uh, let's see. We're running short on time. I, think, hope, think, I, Hal, hope I that
5: was a learning experience, too. In yeah.
0: Itself. Well, me too. We, we off-ramped from that this last session. Hal, thanks for the call. I got a couple other calls I want to get through. Aaron, you're on. What's up?
5: Hey, hey Rob. Uh, she said that $250,000 was the limit that, or the, above that, they're going to be taxed in California? Is that what you said, the No,
1: no, 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 no. How, there are, um, 750,000 households with an income of $250,000 or less that will be paying an additional billion dollars collectively oh, in taxes. I,
5: mean, I was going to say 250000 that's about three times the average American, isn't it? Isn't it about 70000 75000 for average? Uh, in California's
1: house... base salaries are a, a bit higher than, say, here. Oh. <laughs>
5: yeah. I understand that, but the average American. The high
0: cost of living higher there, too. Eric, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. want to keep moving. Got a caller. Bob, you're on. What's up?
5: Yes, I want to talk a little bit on how fair taxes really are. Okay. Let's go with the road use, start with the road use tax. Um, okay, we were talking about trucks earlier. Now, if I fuel up in Fargo, let's say, and it's cheaper fuel tax in Fargo, and I run across Minnesota, don't put on any fuel in Minnesota, I'm going to get charged the Minnesota rate. So I'm going to get a bill for paying the Minnesota tax. But if you're in a vehicle and you fill up in Fargo, you can run all the way through the state of Minnesota, and it's not going to cost you a single dime to use their roads. Now, well, except instance,
0: except but, except we all pay the federal fuel tax too. Like everybody pays except, the federal fuel tax.
5: Well, and the trucks pay another six cents a gallon more than yeah. cars on gasoline yeah. and this and that. But and then there was another thing as far as the, that, the tax goes. When I was out in Western North Dakota, I did some uh, quite a bit of work out there. Now I'd be I'd be sitting paying for let's say materials, writing out a check, let's say a thousand dollars. Williston, I think it was 7.5% or something like that. So I could be writing my check right next to the guy right next to me that bought the same stuff. We both have a $1,000 worth of m- merchandise. It cost me $75 more because the guy right next to me, he had a Montana driver's license. Yeah. And, yeah, that's so, something
0: in North Dakota we allow. Uh, we uh we, I forget how it works, but essentially... We don't charge our sales tax to Montanans for some reason. I'm not sure.
5: Okay, and then on the other part of the state, let's say Minnesota, now Minnesota doesn't have tax on clothing. So if you're from Moorhead and you go buy clothing over in Fargo, can you say, "Hey, here's my Minnesota license"? Um, I don't know. I don't. So yeah, I don't don't know. I I know. I I know. I know that
0: works for Montana. I don't know why we did that. I know that policy's been around for a while, but yeah, that's that's true. Bob, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Nathalie, what do we want to do? We want to break here. Finish. Can we finish up the rundown? We kind of got we, way are, late we, there.
1: We are way behind, so we don't have let's time. Look, okay, stories. let's let's
0: let's go to a break. And we'll be right back. This is Rob Report, nine seventy W, M ninety three point one FM. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. We don't have a lot of time left until.
1: No, we don't. You know what I think, Rob? What? I think on my last day, you should let me play whatever music I feel like playing.
0: That sounds good. All right, I'm up for that. Okay, that sounds like fun. You sounded a little strained at first. (laughs) No, not at all. I'm open-minded when it comes to music, generally.
1: Generally, kind of. It's gonna be the last chance I have.
0: I'll give anything a try. I'm pretty. I'm pretty eclectic. When it comes to uh, my musical, I tips, promise
1: but. I won't play any J-pop.
0: What is? It? I don't even know what that is.
1: J-pop would be Japanese pop.
0: Oh, is it like? Oh, it's All it's right. got
1: sort of it's got like a general pop music feel to it. It's usually pretty bubblegummy. Oh. I love okay.
0: it. <laughs> All right, um, well, whatever you want, we can uh, we can certainly <laughs> do your music on uh, on friday and yeah we're gonna skip the last two stories of the rundown we've got a little but hey that's a good thing people calling in people interested in what we got going on you know what we did all day today we talked
1: taxes all day today
0: we literally talked taxes the sales tax the entire time people <laughs> super interested in it
1: well sales tax and then a little bit of uh state other types of taxes when it came to california
0: yeah that's true i don't feel i don't feel a bit sorry for, for california Lower your taxes. If it's such a problem, then take it up with your state and local leaders and lower your taxes there. Not the federal government's problem.
1: Well, and hopefully right. they'll start working on that.
0: Maybe. All right, that's it for me today. Jay Thomas Show, straight ahead. Stay tuned for that. This is Rob Report, 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.